0: As the band and choir make their way back to the seat, would you please join me in our prayer of illumination? God, the more we know you, the more it is that joy dances in our souls. So as we open the pages of our family's history, show yourself in its words. Whisper your love in our ears. Draw us into the embrace of your arms. Let our hearts beat a little faster as we hear the sound of your voice so near. Amen. The scripture for today comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 58. Why do we fast and you don't see? Why afflict ourselves and you don't notice? Yet on your fast day you do whatever you want and oppress all your workers. You quarrel and brawl, and then you fast. You hit each other violently with your fists. You shouldn't fast as you are doing today if you want to make your voice heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I choose? A day of self-affliction? Of bending one's head like a reed? And of lying down in mourning clothing, and ashes? Is this what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Isn't this the fast I choose? releasing wicked restraints, untying the ropes of a yoke, setting free the mistreated and breaking every yoke? Isn't it sharing your bread with the hungry and bringing the homeless poor into your house, covering the naked when you see them, and not hiding from your own family? Then your light will break out like the dawn, and you will be healed quickly. Your own righteousness will walk before you and the Lord's glory will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and God will say, I'm here. If you remove the yoke from among you, the finger pointing, the wicked speech, if you open your heart to the hungry and provide abundantly for those who are afflicted, your light will shine in the darkness and your gloom will be like the noon. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: So we're going to continue our conversation about developing habits for a home run faith. We have looked at uh, many different habits. Um, I want to remind you that uh, if you have a bulletin, uh, there is a place in here for uh, for this week, texts to read questions to ponder and things to do and to share. Um, Also, uh, if you want to go, uh, you can grab um, a journal, uh, one of the summer journals, they're in print and also electronic. And there are activities for each of the habits uh, that are for individuals and groups and also for multiple ages. Uh, We've covered the waterfront. We've started with worship, recognizing that um, spiritual habits draw us closer to God. And in the same way that we need the the, the city uh, to kind of uh, bring in the water, pave the roads and clear the trash. We also need worship to pave the way for God's grace, to water our soul and to clear away the junk that kind of builds up week in and week out. We've talked about prayer as staying in touch with the third third base coach. We've talked about service as being that practice and work uh, and willingness to um, put in the effort to learn how best to draw closer to God. Uh, We have uh, talked about confession and pardon. Um, I, I often, when thinking about this series, thought confession and pardon would either be a really good parallel in baseball to contract negotiations or to drug screening, but that wasn't as exciting, right? So we move into fasting. Fasting as a a habit that would draw us closer to God. Uh, And and so um, I was looking, uh, how do you focus? I mean, when when you're getting ready to do the thing that you do, whether it's teach a classroom of kids, whether it's to uh, lead a team in a project at the plant, um, whatever it is, what is the way that you focus? Get, Get your game face on, get ready for what's next. Spend a little bit of time looking at the ways in which baseball players focus. Not really sure why he's licking the bat, but some of those baseball rituals there's one uh, gentleman who eats chicken before every game. Now he focuses. Uh, takes exactly 150 ground balls during infield practice. Runs wind sprints at precisely 7:17 in the evening every day. Uh, Wade Boggs, is that a name that works? Yeah, Uh, Wade Boggs, before each at bat, would draw a symbol, the Hebrew symbol for life, into the dirt of the batter's box before uh, taking a pitch. There's um, one, one pitcher who chews four pieces of black licorice while pitching. At the end of each inning, he spits them out, returns to the dugout, brushes his teeth, but only after taking a flying leap over the baseline before getting to the dugout. I've been thinking about how before preaching, I, I could hurdle the altar rail, but I'm still not really where, no, I don't really know where I'm supposed to spit the licorice. So there's one player who's obsessed with the number three. He sets his alarm for 33 minutes past the hour, takes practice swings in only multiples of three, wore the Jersey 33, was married on November the 3rd at 3.33 p.m. And for one real highlight of his career, he bought tickets for 33 disadvantaged kids so they could be seated in section 333 of the game that he was playing. What are the ways in which you focus? What are those things? I mean, is it um, you, you've got to do a certain exercise routine before the day begins? You have to listen to a certain podcast? You have to spend um, 33 minutes on Facebook? What are the things that get you ready for the day? Now, the non baseball player right here um, thinks, wow, does licorice have a scientific, proven uh, uh, performance enhancing opportunity for baseball players? I mean, maybe it would be better instead of jumping the baseball line, brushing your teeth, though I believe hygiene's important. Maybe just doing fundamentals would be a way to focus and get ready for the game. What are the ways that you focus? How do you get ready for what's next? When we look at fasting, fasting is uh, traditionally a way to help us focus on God. Um, It's not a way to um, abstain from something. It's not a way to punish ourselves. It's not a way to look more holier than the next person. I can remember uh, when I was in college at the campus ministry, um, uh, during Lent, uh, we would all ask, what will you be giving up for Lent, right? And the traditional answer was chocolate. Where do we find in scripture Jesus saying, Chocolate gets in the way of God. I mean, y'all must be eating an enormous amount of chocolate if it is keeping you from focusing on God. Uh, um, How do you use fasting in such a way that it might help you focus on God? Our scripture passage, Isaiah 58. uh, Remember, Isaiah is a prophet. When a prophet shows up on your front doorstep, it is never a good thing. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Uh, I mean, if, if God's going to send you a sweet little love note, he does that by way of angels or by cute babies, not by prophets. When the prophet shows up, it means you've wandered from the path. And, and here we have a beautiful uh, moment where the prophet is speaking for God and says to the people of Israel in the most surly teenage sarcasm uh, one could muster. Why do we fast and you don't see? Why do we afflict ourselves and you don't notice? Don't you see, God? We are doing all of these really good things that's supposed to attract your attention, but you're not paying attention to us. Uh, The theme for Isaiah 58 could be as simple as God is listening. He's just not responding to you. Do you remember these moments? I remember these moments as a young, uh, young child with ADHD, mom would be on the phone. I would be bored. I would decide in my great wisdom of six, seven, or eight years of age, that mom should not be on the phone any longer. And so I would do something remarkable to get her attention. You know, I often at the end of that phone call would get, more attention than I really wanted because the remarkable thing that I did wasn't doing what mom wanted, but it was making a fool of myself until she blew her top and said, stop it. See, God is listening, but just not responding to the people. You can say that God is saying uh, uh, in such a way you act like nothing has happened and think that we can move on. The, the people of Israel understand the law and the expectations for holiness. They understand the power and value in caring for the poor, but instead they have dressed up in sackcloth and ashes. They have played as if they are holy and God is not amused. in, in fact, I was thinking of, you know, what, what deep philosophical statement uh, a great philosopher that I, could, that I could read to you that would deepen the point of what Isaiah 58 is getting at. And I would say that Gloria Gaynor, the great philosopher, in her f- foundational work, I will survive, probably captures Isaiah 58 well. The looks on your faces are fascinating. <laughs> I'll be cutting this Jake from the late service. I just walked in to find you here with that sad look upon your face. I should have changed that stupid lock. I should have made you leave your key. If I'd known for just one second, you'd be back to bother me. See, this is the prophet, Gloria Gaynor. Wow, this really didn't work. Saying to the people of Israel, your games are not working. Your games are not working. That this show of fast, this show of holiness does not even get to the meat of the relationship that God wants to have with us. God sees through our rituals fasting. I, I can't tell you how often in pastoral care, when the world blows up for someone, they show up on my doorstep and they say, did God not notice how often I came to church? Did God not notice how often I tithed and gave? Why are these bad things happening to me? Did God not see all that I was doing? You see, God sees through our rituals of fasting that um, coming to church is not fire insurance for the future and um, being sure to pray over our meal does not keep us from getting food poisoning, but that the world is far more complex in these moments. In Isaiah 58, God has seen through the Israelites show of holiness and begins to ask them for something deeper and something more. The fast that God wants is not sackcloth and ashes, but something deeper. So scripture tells us, the prophet says, isn't the fast that I choose, releasing wicked restraints, untying the ropes of a yoke, setting free the mistreated and breaking every yoke. Now let's pause for a moment and think about our worship service or even our Lenten um, observances. There's no opportunity in our worship service to, set prisoners free. There's not an opportunity to let the yoke go. You see, God has um, called the people to do something more radical than just uh, doing the regular show of penitence and holiness. God wants a fast that is different than just um, idle opportunities to raise our hands in worship. The prophet goes on to say isn't sharing your bread with the hungry and bringing the homeless poor into your house covering the naked when you see them and not finding and not hiding from your own family these are hard difficult things It'd be so much easier to go out and buy sackcloth and ashes It'd be so much easier to listen to Christian radio or to get uh, one of those really great uh, t-shirts that humorously say scripture tied with uh, the marketing of uh, uh, some sort like, like um, this blood's for you. You remember the eighties and nineties, right? It would have Jesus on it, but it has the, uh, the phrase of, um, of a beer commercial. It'd be so much easier to do those things as opposed to actually not hiding from our family or caring for the poor. You see, the prophet is inviting the people to come back to do more than just raise their holy hands, but instead to extend a hand to the poor. In our era of more is better, the idea of intentional restriction seems foreign. The problem of church these days is not attracting people to the place It's cutting through the noise of all the things that could be done in an era of more is better. It's not as if we don't have things to do, but it's inviting us to choose the things that will allow us to focus and draw closer to God. Restriction is foreign. I think our culture struggles with that simple wisdom that too much of a good thing is still what noise, is in our soul that's distracting us from God. I don't know about you, but uh, when I am driving someplace new and I get close to the last couple of turns, I don't think this is just a show that I'm old, I think this is a show that I'm human, but when I get close to the last couple of turns, I turn down the radio. Do, Do you do that? When you're going someplace new that you've never been before and you get a couple of turns out from where it is, You start really paying attention and you turn down the radio. Why why do you do that? Is it because you can't do two things at once? No, we can all do two things at once, but there's something about the ability and bandwidth in our brains that we can only handle so much. And when things become precious and important, when we become uh, very um, sensitized to the fact that if we miss these turns, we will be late, we take an opportunity to lower the distraction, right? I remember when I was a kid uh, trying to be remarkable in the back seat as mom and dad were making those last couple of turns and they said, Shush! What noise in our soul is distracting us from hearing God? Um, the amount of time that our culture spends on social media. The amount of time that we uh, spend on cable TV. Uh, The most recent figures tell us that the amount of time a face-to-face conversation talking between a parent and a child in a week comes down to about six minutes. There is noise, not just in our soul, not just in our cars, not just in our homes, but they are distracting us. Distracting us from each other Distracting us from God and distracting us from what God's calling us to do in our lives. Uh, This is that point I've been trying to say throughout. We are anxious to raise holy hands, but we are slow to extend a helping hand to the needy. We just don't have time for it. Our, Our calendars are filled. We are scheduled to the brim. There are so many places where we feel fulfilled. We have to see the newest movie. We have to watch the newest TV series. We have to like and comment everything on social media or the world will fall apart. But we seem not to have enough time to extend a helping hand to the needy. Who are we trying to please One would say that in the grand scheme of the world, that we are not trying to please ourselves or please our neighbors or please our friends or followers on YouTube, but that we should be trying to please God. So when we look at fasting from, so fasting from, sure, you can give up chocolate. It may do a great job at drawing you closer to God, but I would suggest these. Fasting from TV or social media, Fasting from criticism. There's an article in our journal and part of our Sunday school uh, curriculum that talks about one woman's uh, uh, quest to fast from criticalness. In our high-performing culture, we could fast from self-criticism. We could fast from email or from cell phone. Fasting from these noisy distractions could create just enough space or we might hear God call. Oftentimes, we have to ask the question, what's in it for me? God, what's in it for me if I fast from these things? Scripture tells us really clearly that fasting allows for God to guide us. It allows for God to provide for us. And it allows for God to rescue us. You might say, oh, preacher, those are fancy words that you've made up for the moment because they fit really well with the slide. But let's look at scripture. You see, when we do the fast that God requires, God says, then you will call and the Lord will answer. Then you will cry for help and God will say, I'm here. That our yoke will be released from us, that we will find ourselves guided and provided and saved by the hand of God. I still wonder, licking the baseball bat, does it really get you a home run? Maybe that's what I was not doing in Little League. I should have tried it. (laughs) Fasting and not empty rituals focuses us on God. What empty rituals have you been doing forever, thinking surely they will lead us to be closer to God? Uh, John Wesley talks about the means of grace. Um, He um, likens it to the idea that if a friend says, let's get together, uh, you would plan a time and a place where you could meet and spend time with that friend, that you wouldn't randomly hope to find them and meet with them just because but that you'd set an appointment. The means of grace, the um, habits that create home run faith, the opportunities to be um, in the presence of God come in those instituted means of grace and those non-instituted means of grace. What are they? (laughs) Easy worship, prayer, service, confession, and even fasting. That if we desire to draw closer to God, we might need to drop some of these empty rituals that keep us away. We might have to quiet ourselves in the presence of God. How many of you remember the sermon series where we did increasing amounts of silence each week until you all told me that it was crazy? Do you remember? Do you remember the little bit of terror in the first minute of silence? And then as the series went on, the longing that you had for that silence to come fasting isn't just about sitting quietly in a room but it's about thinking what are the things that have filled up my bandwidth what are the things that are distracting me from god what are the things that i desire most in my relationship with god scripture is very plain what god would like from us not just sackcloth and ashes but rather a willingness, the same willingness that we lift up holy hands to worship God, that in the same breath, we might be as willing to reach out a helping hand to care for the needy. We might hear that call if we were to fast from those things that distract us. Developing habits for a home run faith allow us not just to become better people but to become part of God's plan, to be perfected by God's grace, and to journey closer to the heart of God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.